Hey mamas, I'm Alyssa, registered dietitian, picky eating specialist, and mama of two. You're listening to the Nutrition for Littles podcast, aimed at helping you raise healthy, independent eaters. Each week, we will tackle topics like picky eating, mealtime struggles, baby led weaning, and so much more. Let's jump right into today's topic. Hey there, mama. Welcome back to the podcast. Today's episode, I go deep into food allergies with Leah from Baby Led Weaning Meals app. We actually went live on Instagram and I'm dropping the audio here on my podcast because I think it deserves a permanent spot. I get a lot of questions about food allergies, how to handle them, how to introduce allergenic foods, all of the things we covered in today's episode. So I am going to give it a permanent spot here on my podcast. I think it'll go through everything you need to know, and it'll help you feel really confident um, with food allergies. So I hope you enjoy it. And if you don't know already, I did partner with Leah for her Baby Led Weaning Meals app, which is a complete and total app that's dedicated to helping you with baby led weaning. So there's over 250 recipes in there for your baby and for the entire family. There's also meal plans that you can follow step by step. And my favorite part are the guides where it visually shows you step by step how to modify foods, how to serve foods to your baby, depending on their age and their ability. And it's just an incredible resource, plus so much more in there, everything you need to know to feed your baby. So I will leave the link down below to join um, or to download the app. It's only $1.99 for your first month. And it is, honestly, I say this all the time, but it is really the app that I wish I had access to when I started solids with my son. It has everything in there just at your fingertips. So you can click the link in the description box to learn more about that. Otherwise, I hope you enjoy today's episode and this chat about allergies. It is so, so helpful. And uh, without further ado, here it is. Hey, you guys, what's up? Um, I am coming on live to chat with you guys a little bit about food allergies. I'm actually having Leah join me here um, from the Baby Led Weaning Meals app. You guys know I partnered with them this month to give them all of their month of May uh, meal plans. Hey, Leah, what's up? Um, and we wanted to come on and talk about food allergies because it's a question I think we both get a lot, especially with babies, um, but really, oh, perfect. Here she is. Um, kids in general. So we wanted to chat a little bit about that today. All right, I'm having Leah join. Hello, hello, you guys. Hey, Leah. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Doing well. Doing well. So good. Um, I was just telling them that we're chatting about food allergies today. I got a few questions. I put up a question box a little bit earlier. Um, and we got a few questions in there. I know we didn't really, we haven't really outlined you guys what we're going to talk about specifically because allergies could, we could probably go yeah. several hours. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to kind of get a feel from the people who were planning on attending. Hello. Um, what their questions are. So first, can you introduce yourself just in case anyone doesn't know who you are or what you do? My name is Leah Hackney. I'm a pediatric dietitian. Um, I run the Kids Nutritionist account and also uh, Baby Led Weaning Meals app. And um, oh gosh, I work I work with uh, families on overcoming picky eating. So I have a picky eating course, and then I also um, worked with an app company to develop the Baby Led Weaning Meals app. So this was kind of a passion project of mine to help families. Um, have access to easy information, especially if we're in the, when they're in the kitchen and have them be like, okay, 
how do I cut this? How do I do this? And then have multiple caretakers maybe have access to the app so that, you know, you can offer food safely to baby. Um, but the app also has some guides in it as well. So it has some guides for starting solids and things like allergens too. So much is packed into that app. Um, I've been talking about it a little bit here um, throughout the weeks and stuff on my stories. You guys have heard me talk about it, but that's actually funny. You said caretakers. I shared it with my husband. I showed him the app because he's, he's a developer for any of you out there who don't know. Um, he's a software engineer. He'd get mad at me. He has some sort of title. I don't know. It's software engineer E. He can do apps. He can do websites, all the things. And so he wanted to check it out. And he was checking out the functionality of it. Like, oh, this is great. But then he started like reading the material and he's like, I wish I had this with ate it up yeah. my son <laughs> and really truly like he was so amazed at how much information is there and you know it's funny because especially as dietitians like we have the information in our head right but it's hard to communicate that to a spouse or a partner sometimes like and I don't know if any moms here feel this when you feel like you're educating yourself all day listening to podcasts on Instagram like you're getting 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 all this information and then you try to relay it to your spouse or partner and they're just like <sighs> Yeah. Right. Like they like glaze over or maybe you don't even explain it well. Like sometimes I take in so much information and then what comes out is like, what, what are you saying? So it was really nice for him to get into the app and was just like, holy moly, this is so much information in here, like specifically how to cut and chop things. And I was like, wow, I really probably would have felt more comfortable leaving and going for a girl's night or whatever and having him cut up the food because he would have it right there. Anyways. Total side tangent, but it was really cool to hear him talk about how amazing he thought the app was. And he didn't even, like, see the recipes and the meal planning. He just was, like, really focused in on how to prepare the food safely. I love that. That's so. That's exactly why I wanted to have this happen, so that's great. Right? Exactly. So uh, I guess, okay, bringing it back. Sorry, I got us totally off topic. But today we wanted to talk a little bit about food allergies and babies. I know this can be... Mm -hmm. utterly scary as a first-time mom, especially introducing allergens to your little one. So I wanted to start by telling you guys who are here live um, or watching the replay what the top allergens are. So, but that being said, just as like a little disclaimer, I guess disclaimer on this entire <laughs> conversation to talk with your pediatrician, make a plan, see if your baby is high risk for food allergies. It really does kind of change the plan of how to introduce it. So we're going to assume low risk for your baby as we talk, but of course make a plan um, specifically if they have a history of any allergies or if like immediate family members have food allergies, you want to talk with your pediatrician. So there's that disclaimer. Second disclaimer is any food can be an allergen. Right. Like there are top allergens. There's percentages of foods that are higher risk than others. But any food like I met this woman one time who was allergic to mangoes. I was like, yeah. oh, didn't know. Like made her mouth all itchy. Now it wasn't like anaphylaxis or anything, but still it's a food allergy. So we just want to be mindful of that, that we tend to zone in on these high risk foods. But really, it's all foods not to like scare you anymore. But it's just good to have that information of like, OK, any food can cause a reaction. I should be looking for these things anytime that I introduce a new food. So, but the top ones, so the most common, I had to write them down because I didn't want to leave one out. Um, <laughs> milk, eggs, peanuts, tree nuts, soy, wheat, shellfish, and fish. And then they've recently added sesame as well. So I used to love, I forget the doctor who said this originally, I used to love to say like, oh, eat the eight, right? Yeah. But now it's nine. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know it rhymes so much better with eight, but. I know. Yeah. 
<laughs> what nibble on the nine? I don't know. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> we'll come up with something. Yeah. Um, so can you answer for us? Because one of the questions that I got in is when do we introduce these allergens? So when do you recommend? And I saw in the app as well. It says this. When do you recommend starting to introduce these foods to your baby? Great question. So I want to preface this with you will see some slightly different recommendations from the research and also in varying countries. So for example, um, in the US, we do recommend starting solids around the six month mark. Is that like a perfect time where suddenly the day they're six months, they're ready for solids? Not necessarily. But then you see research where research might even talk about four to six month marks where you're introducing allergens. And so that's where it's just so important to be in communication with your pediatrician. Um, on what that would look like. That is for some very rare specific instances in which it's very controlled environment. So on the internet, we're, we're talking to the general masses <laughs> and we're not always talking about those very specific instances, I say around six months. So when you are starting solids, um, having a plan, I actually say it's almost more in my head, it's almost more important for a lot of people focus on that very first food, but I'm like, I would rather see you have a plan for allergen introduction around that six month mark, because that is really important because we have a lot of um, strong research that's indicating, especially for egg and peanut, that we can actually help build kids immunity towards preventing allergy reactions later down the road when we're introducing them early and often in that six month mark. And there's actually that critical immune window that's even before that six to nine month mark, there's that critical immune window. I think, you, do you have kind of similar information there in front of you? <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so early and often, um, some of you might be a little confused because maybe you were raised or like your friends were having kids when the recommendations were still to hold off, right? Like a lot of people have said, hold off until one for a while, hold off as long as you can. Like a lot of information was going around and that's because research changes. Science is a process, you guys, they're always researching this. And um, there's been a ton of uh, research coming out specifically around food allergies because we did see a spike of like, okay, what's going on here? And that was during this time of, oh, just wait, right? Like hold off on introducing these top allergens. And what they actually found is early introduction to better and often. So I love the way you say that early and often. It's easy to remember. It's not just once like, oh, six months I gave them egg. They were fine. I don't have to worry about serving it again. We want to continue to expose them to egg and be mindful that an allergic reaction may not happen on the first try. It might be the second or third or even previous, you know, subsequent times where all of a sudden they develop um, a reaction to that food. So just being mindful of that. I'm not here to like, <laughs> I don't want to ever scare anyone, especially on the internet. Um, and I, I also don't want to brush people off, right? Like food allergies are very scary and real. However, they are rare. So just in like the broad sense of it, it they are rare. So we have yeah. like that percentage on our side. And then within the food allergies that do exist, it's even rarer to have a life-threatening response. Mm -hmm. um, can you walk us through some, or we can kind of chat about it back and forth, some of the signs and symptoms to look for when we introduce a new food, um, what might happen in, in an emergency situation, or just like, oh, they're having a reaction. Still always call your pediatrician, of course, um, or 911 if it's life-threatening. But can you walk us through some of those things and that we need to look for whenever we introduce a new food? Yeah, 
It's usually, so one of the first things I like to say is, is plan. And I don't, I don't like to, <laughs> I don't like to plant more fear, but I like to set families up for success. So if you're introducing an allergen, I recommend introducing it during the day and potentially on a day where you might have time if you do need to go to the pediatrician's office. It's not this panic. So for example, maybe right before your neighbor's birthday party probably isn't the best time to introduce an allergen. Um, possibly right before a nap. Oh, right before a nap. That's exactly what I'm going to mention too is, is not introducing and then immediately putting baby down and then turning the monitor off and then, you know, or not turning the monitor off, but turn, you know, going and watching the monitor. So um, I recommend earlier in the morning, um, keeping them awake and active for a little bit afterwards. I usually like to keep them awake and active for about one to two hours because in that window is usually when you see a reaction. And so I have a lot of parents who are like, what reaction am I looking for? And it's kind of like, you'll, you'll know. Unfortunately, I, I wish I could say it, it's always this, it's always this, but you really will know that there's something different with your baby. With vomiting, it's usually within that one to four hour range. Um, it may happen a little bit after, but it's usually fairly fast. Then same with diarrhea, you may have between that five to 10 hour range where it does take a little bit to get through their digestion, but it's still fairly quick within that day you're seeing a stronger reaction that's just different than what your baby is normally reacting to. With some allergens, you might see more of an oral allergy, kind of like what you mentioned with mango. Um, you'll see maybe an oral rash right around the lips. You'll see kind of um, uh, itchy lips. You'll see, um, you know, they'll be like swollen. They'll be red immediately. And it's still very quick. So I would say... And babies like respond, right? Like they're like sticking out their tongue like, ah, uh, ah. Uh. Yeah. Yes, yes. Something's going on. It is. Um, so I usually say within that, because kind of, you know, with diarrhea, it takes a little bit longer, but within that five hour, five to 10 hour mark, you're seeing a strong reaction. And that's why I recommend um, introducing earlier in the day so that, you know, you're basically setting yourself up to succeed and figure out what's going on and, and what's happening. Um, when you are introducing the allergens too, it's really important to document the process, document which one you introduced, um, and make sure you're not cross-contaminating it with a different allergen. So for example, when you introduce dairy, we wouldn't also want to introduce it with peanut butter in that same day as well, because we just, if there is a reaction, we wouldn't know what it's coming from. So a lot of people get confused because they're like, don't I have to introduce like one food at a time? And then it, and in my head, I'm like, you don't because you, uh, the, like, it's, it's a lot more complicated than that. Um, <laughs> a lot of people think that when we say introducing one food at a time, we're talking about every single food ever. Really, we're talking about the allergens, introducing the top nine allergens separately, independently at a time where you can monitor what's happening. The other foods that aren't considered top allergens, we don't necessarily need to wait and offer those, you know, wait every three days before when you're offering them. You can if you want to, but for example, you're offering avocado, baby's already had avocado, you can offer avocado that day, but then when you're adding on an allergen, you just want to be making sure that you're only offering an allergen that they um, one at a time on that day. I hope I'm explaining that okay. <laughs> Absolutely. It, it can get, it can feel a little overwhelming to us as moms, right? We're so scared of something happening to our sweet babies. And um, especially as a first time mom, you're just, they just feel so fragile, right? You're like, oh my gosh, they feel so fragile. So 
a great just tip is to call your pediatrician before you're going to offer um, something and they'll walk you through if you're high risk. Yeah. Some pediatricians might want you in the office the first time you give them peanut butter. Sometimes mm -hmm. they're like, oh, it's fine. Just call me if anything happens. Like it depends on your unique situation. So yeah, don't get overwhelmed. But like Leah's saying is when the top allergens I mentioned, the top nine now are the ones that you do want to space out a little bit, give it a little bit of space so that you do, you can do a little investigating, right? And then you can, you can document it, bring it to your doctor and say, well, I did also give them avocado that day. And maybe it was the avocado. Probably not. It's probably one of these. It's so, so rare for it to be a food that's not on these top yeah. list. But then you have it documented and you kind of know. Um, and really at this stage, six to nine months, they're usually only eating one or two foods per meal anyways. Yeah. Right? There's a track. And their reactions are going to be different in this critical immune window, the six yeah. to nine months. The reactions are maybe, even though it still can be scary, they may not be that same higher risk of anaphylaxis that you see later into toddlerhood or later into adulthood. Now, that's not to say that you will never have an anaphylactic reaction with a baby. I will never say that because that can always happen. Sure. However, instances are rare and it's usually more of that digestive or that immediate dermal reaction that you see. Um, we do have some like a list of the uh, reactions in the app, but um, it's usually one of those types of reactions first versus that swelling of the throat versus the breathing problems. Always if your baby is having difficulty breathing, then always mm -hmm. connect with your pediatrician, call 911 and immediately assist. Um, but in that sense, it's a lot more rare that that would be the reaction first. It can happen, but it's just know that it's rare. Right. Yeah. And of course, you know, it does happen. So it's always helpful to be prepared and know what you're looking for, for those symptoms. So like she said, for an emergent um, issue is more the breathing patterns, rapid breathing, shallow breathing, even slow down breathing is one too. just changes in their breathing pattern is really important. <laughs> Blue lips, you know, those sorts of things. Um, and yeah, I think that's, that's something to be aware of, of that it could look different for each baby. So just being aware of changes in their, in their mood and their temperament and things like that. Um, we kind of got a question here that matches with some of the questions I got in my box today as well of growing out of allergies. Um, this one specifically, she's talking about breastfeeding and mm -hmm. those allergies traveling through the milk. And then um, maybe they're reacting to that. I will say that instance is quite rare as well. Um, I've done a lot of research on this and it's typically the latch um, that's causing a GI distress or things like that. I'm not saying that's your specific um, <laughs> instance, because certainly it does happen where a protein is getting through the milk and then coming to baby. Typically, we see that with dairy. Um, and that I would recommend talking with your pediatrician, making a plan. And it certainly could mean that they might have a reaction to dairy when you introduce it, but not always, which is wild to parents to think. Um, so make a plan with your pediatrician. But in general, what do you, what do you talk about when or what do you recommend or... I guess, kind of say, when it comes to uh, growing out of allergies, what does that kind of look like for kids? Can you tell us a little bit yeah, about that? Yeah, I came prepared for this because I was like, I had a feeling someone's going to mention this. Yeah. Um, so uh, I, according to foodallergy.org, which is based in the States, um, one thing to note is that peanut is one of the most common allergens, but there is an instance um, where about 20% of some um, kids may be able to outgrow peanut allergies now. I never recommend reintroduction without a plan from a healthcare team. This is not yeah. 
recommendation where we're just now suddenly reintroducing peanuts. No, no, no. This is definitely something where you want to connect with your pediatrician, but know that there is a small percentage with peanuts, even though it is a more severe allergen and it's definitely um, a more common allergen. There is some hope for some families where they may be able to um, increase their sensitivity and reintroduce it um, in the long run. That would be at the 20% for peanuts, but there is more of a 75% outgrow milk allergies, according to foodallergy.org. So for some of these other allergies like um, milk, which you may even see in accordance with milk and soy, sometimes it's really common to see them kind of in accordance with each other, you may be able to have a fairly quick and easy reintroduction and your pediatrician may be able to introduce it. It may even be a few months. Um, it may not be as severe in the long run. A lot of families can tend to notice that their babies will tolerate milk in like baked goods. And usually what happens is maybe they'll accidentally have some bread or something and then they'll be like, oh my gosh, that had like a milk protein or it had milk in it, but it was baked. And then they usually are like, oh, but they didn't have a reaction. And then they're maybe able to start working from there. Um, I definitely always though, if you have any kind of allergy, check labels for cross-contamination. I don't recommend just like hoping that your baby suddenly um, is able to reintroduce. We wanna make sure that you're connecting with your healthcare team. So mm -hmm. um, <laughs> can you hear me? I think. Yep, I got it. Yeah, you're good. You're back. Um, check labels for cross-contamination. Um, and definitely foodallergy.org is a great resource. It has lists of ingredients that are sometimes not even, we don't even, uh, we're not even aware that they may contain something like milk or peanuts or egg or soy. So knowing, so you kind of have to get really specific on um, foods, it's food science and, and what is, you know, common in like certain foods. Yeah. Yeah. And it can be really overwhelming um, as a parent to get a diagnosis for your kid with food allergies, right? Overwhelming, scary. Um, you're just un uncertain. You're, um, you're just scared, right? I have several friends. Luckily, my kids so far don't have food allergies. Um, but uh, it, it can be really scary as a parent. So I just want you to know that you're not alone. There are a lot of communities out there to support you. Um, it's just so nice to feel like, oh, I'm not alone. My kid isn't the only one with severe food allergies or even mild food allergies and, you know, navigating birthday parties and Halloween and holidays and all those things. Um, so I guess no real question here, but I just wanted you to know that my heart is with you because I can yeah. only imagine what that's like um, to live in fear every day, right, um, of something happening or them getting exposed to something by cross-contamination, um, which is scary. So the other question that I got to, I got two more. One is how? How do you introduce it? Like, how do I actually do this? Yeah. And um, I, I can kind of talk about my experience with my kids is, I was a little fearful. Like it, the fear went away pretty quickly after I started introducing. So with eggs, I literally just gave them scrambled eggs. And I usually mix my eggs with milk. And I was like, okay, I can't do that. <laughs> so I just mixed it with a little bit of water or whatever. And, um, or did like, you have that recipe inside the app that's literally just like a fried egg, yeah. you know, <laughs> it was just so easy. And, um, and so you can just introduce those foods. The research is really unclear about... Um, it, maybe you know more than I do, but um, unclear about the amount that you need to give. A lot of parents are like, how much should I give them at first? 
and really, and we're talking about babies with no high risk factors for allergies with babies that are low risk. It doesn't seem to matter how much they get. So start with whatever you're comfortable with, mm-hmm. move up if you want to. Um, but like for me, I just kind of was like, okay, here it goes. I'm going to sit with them and, and check it out. Um, yeah. Or you can mix it with a food that they can already tolerate like applesauce. Like if you want to put mm-hmm. a little bit of peanut butter and thin it out with applesauce yeah. and then just watch for reaction. Yeah, that's exactly what I would recommend too. So in terms of the how, I kind of mentioned it previously, earlier in the morning, don't put them down for nap. And then um, the amounts, I would say some parents are really stressed about the specific amount. And they're like, well, I gave it to them, but they're baby led weaning, so they didn't really eat a ton. Right. Honestly, even your pinky nail, <laughs> you know, it's it's still going to be enough. If there was a, a allergic reaction, that mm-hmm. would still be enough for them to have a reaction. Um, so definitely start small. You know, you don't have to. It doesn't have to be more than a fourth of a teaspoon, mm-hmm. really. And um, and then you know, it it doesn't. The I, I, from what I'm hearing too with the research is that it doesn't necessarily matter if they had a huge amount of peanut butter or a little amount of peanut butter. Right the reaction would be the same. So for peanut butter specifically, because peanut butter on its spoon itself is a choking hazard, just make sure, just like what Alyssa said, thin it out with something else, breast milk, formula, water, or also um, another food that you uh, have already introduced. Yeah, love that. And you know, it, it can feel really overwhelming. I feel like even when we're like targeted talking about this, it really doesn't have to be this whole big shebang. And there's all these sorts of companies and, um, you know, people who are coming out selling products of introducing allergens, and I get it. And if you're, you're fearful, some of those might be really helpful for you because you have a plan and you have an action and I'm not against them by any means, but you certainly don't need to go that route. Um, yeah. You know, with peanuts, you, like she said, thin it out because it is a choking hazard to have a glob of peanut butter in your mouth. Um, even for adults, that's hard, right? <laughs> <It's> hard. <laughs> yeah. So you can just, you know, honestly, I smash up peanuts like in a little baggie and cr- sprinkle it on top of yogurt or something like that. So it doesn't have to be this whole like fanciful thing um, that we have to make sure that we're like being really intentional about it, but not stressing <laughs> because a r- reminder here, um, and this kind of ties into our last question of the fear, right? Like parents are asking, how can I not be afraid? And I don't think there's an answer for that. I think that's parenting. I remember getting pregnant and literally from the second that that pink strip showed up, you're like, well, I'm afraid. Like now I'm just I'm living in fear that I'm going to lose the baby or something's going to happen or whatever. And it is part of being a parent. But I will say the best thing that we can do for our kids um, to expose them and be intentional about these allergen foods, specifically with allergies, is to sit with them and not let fear dictate the way that we feed them. Because then they're going to be afraid. And then food is going to be a battle for you because it's a stressful mealtime environment. Um, not to say that I don't still have fear. I, still, I always have fear. But it really is practice, having a plan, feeling prepared, having a plan of what to do if something were to go wrong, having this list. And really, the app has such a great um, explanation of allergies and a list of those signs and symptoms to look for and make a plan with you and your partner or caregivers what to do if we do see these things happening. The more prepared we are, the more educated we are, the better we're going to feel and the more experience we get, right? So early and often, let's not let three months go by between egg exposure because then that's going to bring that fear back up versus if we're offering it every two or three days, it's like, oh, this is egg. They've had this now 20 times or whatever, you know? Does that make sense? It totally makes sense. And I think what you said is so true. I mean, the fear is... We can't just let that override, you know, what 
you know, eventually we do need to face it. And so I think um, I want to just commend everyone. If you're here, if you're like following dietitians online, if you're, you know, you're doing a good job, like say, you know, you're, you're doing a good job. You're probably doing even more than you realize. And it's, it's confusing and it's difficult, but there's so many people out here to support you and to give you information um definitely foodallergy.org is a really great resource to even look up individual allergens um if you do have some documented allergens and uh, documented allergies and you're finding you're like i'm really struggling with recipes the app does have you can search via ingredient list so you can search dairy free egg free you can search all of you know corn free you can search these things in the app and it will come up with recipes for you but i also wanted to highlight another um account i don't know if you if you've seen um trending the last i think the last week was food allergy awareness week but yeah. food allergy chef oh yeah oh amazing love her. amazing yeah. so much great stuff so i'm going to type in um I think it's food allergy chef. I think you can literally just search that into Instagram. She comes up and she has, I think a a type of subscription where, I mean, it's literally like recipes based off of severe allergens or allergies to specific allergens and even rare ones. So Mm -hmm. if you're coming up against and you're like, okay, yeah, the app, you know, I type in corn-free and soy-free and dairy-free, but then there's only a certain number of recipes and I want to actually add more variety, definitely check out her page because, um, you know, we're always adding recipes to the app. So that will be, you know, kind of an ongoing thing. But she has, if you're like four or five plus allergies, definitely go check out her page and subscribe to her um, resource. Yeah, the multiple allergies, you know, she she herself, check out her story because it's, it's really inspiring. Yeah. Um, but yeah, multiple allergies at one time is really stressful, right? Like one is enough. And then some, you know, kids or parents have multiple and that's, and then living within a family of this kid has these allergies, this kid has no allergies, this kid has, you know, a few different allergies. I have this and it's really gets difficult and she does an excellent job. It's just, it's her specialty, right? Um, Which is really cool. So, so yeah, I love that you mentioned her. She's a great resource. Uh, Yeah, this is so great. I think this is really helpful. Um, The only other thing that I, I forgot I wanted to say back when we were talking about not uh, cross-contaminating or, you know, offering what more than one food at a time. Reminder here that you can be allergic to other things, not food, right? So mm-hmm. something that I saw all the time at the hospital was kids coming in for food allergies, but it was actually, they changed their laundry soap or they changed their yeah. dishwashing detergent or whatever. So just a reminder there too, that when we say not offering two allergenic foods in a day, it's also other stuff too. I, I just say that because I, I saw it so frequently of they developed a rash and they're like, oh my gosh, they're allergic to oranges because they have a rash on their shoulder. And it's like, well, okay, let's back up and mm. let's figure this out. And it turned out to be um, the laundry detergent or something like that. So just a reminder <laughs> to be a good scientist. We want to only ha- only change one thing about the day <laughs> when we're doing these little tests, right? And, so. and as much as I, you know, want to be prepared with, you know, and prepare families, not everything is an aller- allergy and not mm-hmm. everything is going to lead to an allergy. Um, one, I want, I did want to highlight one thing is that if your family has a history of food allergies, if you or your child has a history of autoimmune conditions or severe eczema prior to starting solids, 
So those three people, people who previously had food allergies or currently have them, people who have autoimmune conditions or autoimmune diseases and or severe eczema, please, please, please connect with your pediatricians because um, you may just want to see, every family is different, but you may just want to see if your child is at risk. Yeah. That would I would put those families into a more of a higher risk of like definitely check out um, your family history to see if that's something that you just want to account for. And when I say autoimmune conditions, I think of things like celiac. I think of um, other autoimmune conditions. I'm trying to think of something else <laughs> off the top of my head. Um, yeah, Hashimoto's. Hashimoto, Hashimoto's, yeah. yeah, yeah. Exactly. That would be, um, you know, if you have a family history of that, definitely making sure that you're documenting that and not, um, you know, forgetting to tell your pediatrician. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So um, anyways, thanks to those who have showed up here live and who are watching the replay. This information is really valuable. And I'm so grateful, Leah, for you to come on and share it with us. And again, like we've said, inside the app is even more information and able to search those recipes, which is really helpful, too. So um, I'll, I'm sure I'll be talking more about the app here soon. Um, but it's just an incredible resource. So thank you for creating that. Thank you for coming on live and chatting about this. Um, I've been wanting to get more information up on on my page specifically about allergies. And I do just get this question all the time and I, I'm just so grateful for you to be here. So thank you. Absolutely, yeah, I'm happy to be here. And if anyone has any questions, feel free to reach out. Absolutely, all right, you guys. Thanks so much for tuning in and we'll see you next time. All right, bye guys. Bye Leah, thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you're walking away with some tangible ways to bring peace to your mealtimes. And if you like this episode, please subscribe and tell all your mom friends. And as always, the best compliment you can give me is leaving a rating and written review, which also helps other mamas like you find this podcast too. You can find more from me on Instagram at Nutrition for Littles. Do you have a question you'd like me to answer on the podcast? Email me at Alyssa at NutritionForLittles.com. All right, until next time, mamas.